Welcome back to Throne Hands. It's Jacob here as Daniel and I will be reviewing UFC 257, Poirier versus McGregor 2. Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, this was this was uh, one heck of a night of fights, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about it. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm too. I am. I'm very excited as well. So we're just you and I are just going to hop right into it. I got to move my monitor closer. There we go. Okay, so. We'll go over the prelims a little bit, I guess. Uh, what are your thoughts on some of these prelim fights, uh, counting the early prelims too? Do you have any thoughts on those? Because I, I was I was impressed by uh, Albazi a lot, and uh, Brad Tavares seemed uh, renewed, and Sarukian's a contender in the fifty five division if he can keep his weight down. What What are your thoughts? What were your thoughts on the prelims? Yeah, you know, uh, when it comes to the prelims, I was kind of in and out uh, of what I was catching, but uh, this. Honestly, huge for Marcin Procneo. Basically saved his spot on the roster here. You know, you heard, I think it was Daniel Cormier said during the broadcast, you don't lose four times in a row in the UFC. And Procneo came in on three losses, had a really big challenger in Khalil Roundtree. He was a major underdog, and he came out with a decision win. It was a really back-and-forth fight. It was a really entertaining fight. But Procneo looked great, and he ends up coming, coming away with the win and probably saving his job in that regard. Otherwise, honestly, I agreed a lot with what you said. Brad Tavares looked really good, and Saruki and I was really impressed. Yeah, uh, I mean, I disagree with the decision on the Roundtree uh, Procneo fight, but, you know, good for Procneo. He, he, he gets to yeah. live another day. All right, to the main card. Uh, Maria Rodriguez versus Amanda Hebus. Hebus, uh, she got knocked out. Uh, but before I get too into this, I feel like Herb Dean's been making weird decisions lately regarding his stoppages. Yeah, honestly, I think he's – I honestly think it might be in his head because I think, at least me personally, for a while, like, there was this thought in the back of my head anytime there was a major card that was like, if Herb Dean doesn't, like, nail some stuff down, somebody's going to die in the octagon and he's going to be the official. And I think he got a lot of crap for that. And I think he got a lot of crap for letting fighters go and giving them every opportunity. And that's, that's really a give and take world. And he's one of the best in the business. He's been one of the best in the business for a really long time. And I don't know if it's a mental thing or if, if there's something coming down from, from management saying, you know, this is what you need to be doing. But I think I would agree with you there uh marina had a lot of control in this fight and obviously it went viral that it it looked like herb was going to step in he stepped back Uh, marina thought the fight was over he must got back up she ends up knocking her out like 30 seconds later but still it's a bad look for somebody in herb dean that has taken a lot of criticism on the other side of those kind of stoppages in the past but he, he ends up it ends up being the right move 
because Hebus was fine to get back to her feet. She just got knocked out by a, a wicked hand from Marina Rodriguez a little bit later. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe what Dan Hardy said that one fight night really got to him. Anyway, to the rankings, uh, what do you think's next for Hebus? I, I don't think this affects her all too much, and I think she could see herself in title contention still by the end of the year. I think Tisha Torres versus uh, Hebus is the fight to make. What about? What are your thoughts? I agree. That makes a lot of sense. Both kind of on their way up. Both still trying to figure out where exactly they stand right now. I like it. And I think for Rodriguez, I think an Esparza fight is due. But I know Esparza wants to be the backer for that title shot. And maybe even Michelle Watterson. So what are your thoughts on that one? Either one of those will be really entertaining. Again, if if, if, if I'm Rodriguez and I'm looking towards title contention, I'm probably waiting for Carla Esparza. If I want a payday, Michelle Watterson's going to make money. Definitely, definitely. All right. Uh, to a performance bonus, uh, Andrew Sanchez versus Mahmoud uh, Muradov. Uh, Mahmoud Muradov looked fantastic in this fight. I don't think you can dispute that. Uh, he he was landing hard, and when he, uh, like I said, when he landed, he landed hard. Just looked great all around. What were your thoughts on his performance? Yeah, we were talking, texting back and forth, uh, you, me, and Breck Walters, who is going to be on the show a little bit more in the future. Uh, we have a group chat that we were going back and forth in during this during this card, and we were just talking about how Muradov was destroying that front leg uh, of Sanchez, and it finally turned into an opportunity for him in the third round to pull out the knockout. Uh, he threw a lot of strikes. Both of these guys threw a lot of strikes, but Muradov was a lot more efficient and had a lot more volume. He threw over 30 more strikes uh, in total than Sanchez did. And he just wore him down over time. That's what we've seen him do in his time in the UFC. And he was really impressive doing it. Sanchez isn't a bad fighter at all. Uh, but Murdov just honestly kind of took him to class when it came to uh, that kind of endurance fighting style where he just beat him down with strikes over the first two rounds. And then by the time they got to the middle of the third, uh, Sanchez had nothing left. Yeah, I, actually, I completely agree with you there. Um, so Sanchez... He's in an interesting position. I don't know really what to do with him, but I think Muradov deserves a top 15 opponent after that that uh, piecing apart of Andrew Sanchez. What are your thoughts on what's next for these two men? Yeah, I agree. Muradov needs to step up. He's looked great, and I think he's ready for a challenge. Yeah, the two of us agree. All right. To the <laughs> to one of the best fights of the evening. Uh, I wasn't expecting this to be a banger, but I versus Cottawood. Joanne Calder were landing 214 strikes and 148 significant strikes. She really pieced apart Jessica I, and I was I was pleasantly surprised with these two. Um uh how they just went out of the whole night. What were your thoughts on this one? I mean, they went straight at each other for three rounds, and it was really entertaining. And it was honestly the quintessential performances out of both of these women, Joanne Calderwood. Uh, just throwing a ton of strikes, 319 thrown. She landed over 200. And Jessica I, just that clinical striking style where she's going to throw a lot, but she's not going to miss very often. So uh, these two came out. It was an outstanding kickboxing, one of the one of the better kickboxing, I, I would say, displays that we've seen recently. A couple of takedowns that were actually pretty nice. Uh, even one where Calderwood got Jessica I to the ground, let her back up because she knew she didn't want to get down there with her. Uh, but still, really impressive performance for Joanne Calderwood. Did exactly what she needs to do and got back on track after a career decision that the two of us criticized pretty heavily. I think she jumps right back up in the pecking order. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. And so what's next for Calderwood? I think, uh, I don't know, that, that Calvillo, a Calvillo fight would be nice. 
Um, I know Lauren Murphy's looking for some action. Uh, Kagan, she has a lot of options here because this this division isn't exactly stacked with contenders. So I, I think she 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 has her uh, picking of the the order. What what do you have to say? I think so as well. Uh, Calder Woods has kind of been flying under the radar recently, not not recently, but in the last few years, months, whatever, as she's been kind of climbing the rankings relatively steadily. Uh, she is going to be a challenge for anybody at the top of this division. And she proved that knocking off Jessica, I, who not that long ago was number one contender in these rankings. For sure. And for I, I don't really know, to be honest. Um, she's, she's kind of skidding. I, uh, to say the least, uh, what are your thoughts on what's next for her? Yeah, she's got a position here. I think she probably missed her shot. Uh, when she lost to Shevchenko in 2019, she's been trying to climb back up to there. She's lost two out of three. She's missed weight twice. So I, I, I don't really know. She, she's got a place here. She's extremely talented. She's got a fighting style that works, but I, I think she's missed her shot when it comes to title contention. Yeah, I think it could be in her best interest to move up, but that that 30, 135 pound division is pretty sacked, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, all right. I can't wait to talk about this one. Co-main event of the evening, Dan Hook, Dang the Hangman Hooker versus Michael Chandler. Hooker circles Octagon four or five times. Then Chandler uh, comes in with the right. Hooker uh, uh, parries, and Chandler hits him with the left hook and just brings him to the ground. Uh, Hooker looked scared, I'm, I'm going to be honest. But Michael Chandler, man, I, I wasn't expecting this. What were your thoughts on this one? It hurt my heart to see Dan Hooker get put down like this, man. Ah, it's, it's, it's just frustrating, but... Michael Chandler came in there, and I don't know what lit a fire under this man. I get that it was his first fight in the UFC. I get there's been people saying that he's past his prime and that he's not going to be able to compete. But, whoo, boy, he came right after Dan Hooker with the intensity of a thousand suns, and he put him down quick. And Dan Hooker is nobody to be messed with. So, I get that Michael Chandler's been criticized over the years because he dominated Bellator and never really faced the competition that he was going to face in the UFC. But he came out here and took and beat one of the best kickboxers in the UFC at his own game and absolutely flattened Dan Hooker in two and a half minutes. And that's really impressive. And I mean, Chandler's right up there. He is, he's ready to, to do whatever he needs to. I mean, you heard him after the octagon. He called out, you know, everybody that you could think of except Randy Couture. So <laughs> I would expect Michael Chandler uh, to, to have every opportunity moving forward in the UFC, and I'm not going to bet against him. Yeah, I wouldn't bet against him either. All right, let's see. Let's see. Talking about what's next for these guys. For Hooker, um, I don't know. Um, it's interesting because – the top of the division is kind of locked up. I, I think the, the fight to make is him against RDA. Uh, I think that's a good one. What do you have to say? That makes a lot of sense. I, I think those guys would match up really well. I'd like to see it give Hooker a chance to get back on track. Yeah. Uh, and then for Michael Chandler, I think I think his next bout depends on what happens with Habib in the uh, – if he relinquishes his title or not. Because, honestly – I think Poirier should be the champion. We'll get there after that. But Habib clearly has no desire to return. And I think Gaethje maybe, uh, Charlie Olives. I don't know. What do you have to say? 
I mean, like you said, it's going to come down to what Habib does with the title. I don't think he's coming back. Again, UFC has not done this in years, but I mean, a four-man tournament for that vacant title would be ridiculous. You know, you, you have Poirier, Gaethje, Michael Chandler, and, and Charles Oliveira. That'd be insane. I, I would love to watch that. That would be that would make so much money for the UFC. I, I get that they don't want to they don't want to stretch it out over that long. They don't want to go without a champion for that long. But that would be absolutely insane. I'd love to see it. I want to see it. It's not going to happen. I agree with you. I think any of those three guys would be a good matchup for Chandler. I think if Habib gives up the title, more than likely, we will probably just see it go to Dustin Poirier nominally. And then you'll have guys like Gaethje and Oliveira and Chandler fighting it out for contendership. So if I had to guess right now, I think he gets Gaethje or Oliveira. If, you know, I had what I wanted, uh, there's a four-man tournament for that title. And it's any, it's any man for himself, basically. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting prospect in this division. I mean, I think the tournament's the right thing to do, but that's just a long time uh, for there to be a vacant vacant title. And just yes or no answer. Is Habib returning? I say no. I don't think so either. All right. To uh, some exciting stuff here in the main event, uh, Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor. Dustin, uh, Conor McGregor wins the first round. Not, not by much, but uh, decisively, I'd say. And... Then Poirier uh, really uh, debilitated McGregor with those calf kicks and got him against the fence. And Poirier was plus 700 to knock out Conor McGregor. And if you were you bet plus 700, you had a pretty damn good day. What were your thoughts on this one, Daniel? This was absolute insanity because there was so much pomp and circumstance around this fight. And it was almost all around Conor McGregor. And everybody was forgetting that Dustin Poirier is one of the best fighters in the world, man. And this was the kind of fight that you get all these casual viewers coming in and Connor gets flattened in a round and a half and you get people walking away confused. And that's not a bad thing. That's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, uh, there's going to be people that come away from this fight saying, uh, holy crap, this, this Dustin Poirier is a badass because he just beat the hell out of Connor McGregor in a round and a half. I got to see more of this guy. I got to see what he does next. And that's great for the UFC. I mean, as much money as Connor's made in his career, he's not creating new fans. In my opinion, he's not creating a bigger fan base for the UFC. He's creating a fan base for himself and, and for his business ventures. But I don't think he's creating more UFC fans. Meanwhile, you bring that fan base that follows Connor for, for his business and for his attitude and and for the way he portrays himself on social media. And you have one of the best fighters in your promotion, put him down in seven and a half minutes. That's creating fans. In my opinion, I think Dustin Poirier winning this fight is a huge boost for the UFC. And if he fights for the vacant title, if Khabib gives it up and he wins it, that's even bigger. Dustin Poirier is not going to be the biggest combat sports athlete star on the planet. But he might have just created thousands of of UFC fans by beating Conor McGregor and doing it so dominantly. I completely agree with everything you said, but I, and I didn't even think about that part. I think what, what Dustin Poirier did, it, I, you know, here's the thing. I didn't realize how big of a Conor McGregor fan I was until I saw him get knocked out. 
because I was like, what the heck? This is nuts. And I love Dustin Poirier. If, if, if Dustin Poirier was going to win the fight, I think he would have submitted him. But the what he not he made Connor look weak. And from Connor, he did Connor. Th- he did Connor McGregor things to Connor McGregor. Yeah. And the thing is, I think Connor McGregor boxing Floyd Mayweather was probably the worst thing he could have possibly done because he he switched from that karate stance to that boxing stance. And when Poirier was landing those low leg kicks, McGregor was heavy on that front foot, and it was just awful. I I knew that when uh, when Conor McGregor employed that stance, I'm like, this isn't going to be good for him in the long run. And I think Poirier made him do that. And also, this is just a hot take, but I think Conor McGregor needs to leave SVG because uh, he made SVG. SVG didn't make him. He needs to join up with some bigger guys, and I think – Conor McGregor, he needs to go back to the to the to the drawing board and really draw something else up because this clearly didn't work for him. Um, it, all right, I was before we move on, if you yeah, don't man. mind, I was I was genuinely surprised by some of the things that Conor McGregor was saying post fight. I mean, he portrays himself as this this massive star and everything, and rightfully so. But there was a lot of humility that came out of that post-fight interview and there was a lot of admission that you know he's made mistakes and the inactivity is probably what cost him this fight or at least uh, took away some of the competitiveness of this fight and and that's really impressive and that's that's just showing I mean his growth not just as a fighter but as a person and as a personality uh, within media and within sports so I, I was genuinely surprised by a lot of that and I honestly think we're going to see Conor McGregor two, maybe three more times in 2021. At least that's the way he sounded. I think he's going to make some changes, whether it be personally, whether it be in terms of training, in terms of camp, whatever. I think we will see Conor McGregor, I would say at least two more times, maybe in 2020. I, I think that's, that, that might be a hot take. I don't know. But there was a lot of genuine emotion in that post-fight interview. And I think he is probably going, not necessarily get back to basics, but get back to what put him at the top of the mountain. Yeah, I think I honestly think this loss was the best thing to happen to him. Because like you said, it's going to force him back into what he did do when he beat Jose Aldo, when he beat Eddie Alvarez. And this is bad about Eddie Alvarez, but I think Eddie Alvarez is the most underrated lightweight of all time. But we can get back that's another thing. Uh when we Oh, did you see that uh TNT is putting on a one card? I did not. Yeah, uh Alvarez and Johnson are on it. That is, yeah, that is something. That is something. That is something. But back to the topic at hand. I, I mean, I, I like when when Hooker dropped, uh, dropped Chandler. I got out of my seat and went whoa. But when because Chandler's a wrestler, but we all know he has bricks for hands. But when Poirier yep. dropped McGregor, it just I know I'm just kind of railing here, but the the sheer improvement that. Poirier is shown moving up 10 pounds is unbelievable. And did you see the picture that I sent? Like, Poirier's yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> seven wins. I mean, I'll, I'll, last seven fights, I'll give you all the rundown. He beat Pettis, then Gaethje, then Alvarez, then Holloway. Then he lost to Habib. And then he beat Hooker and he beat McGregor. Hooker's the worst one on there. And I think he's the most underrated guy, a guy in the division. Yeah. So let's talk about what's next for these guys. Uh, I'll start. I think the trilogy has to happen immediately. 
if if Habib's not going to give up the the belt, I think that's what set, that's what has to happen. No, Habib will give up the belt, but if Dana doesn't want to relinquish that and wants money, that's the fight to make because they're hot right now. That's all I have to say. What do you think's next? There's a couple ways you can go about that. Obviously, there's a trilogy fight. I'm not sure that that is something that Dana White is going to want to give away right away, personally. Yeah, I mean, that there's there's big money to come out of that. You know what there's bigger money in? Where? A Conor McGregor redemption story. And Conor McGregor getting another fight or two in the rest of 2021. Meanwhile, Dustin Poirier wins the lightweight title. And finally, that trilogy fight is Conor McGregor coming back from the lowest he's ever been to try to win his title back. And there's a lot of money in that, man. I know it sounds like a storybook. I know it sounds like a movie, but that's the way Dana White operates. And there's a lot of money in that. And you know how much Dana White likes money. So I don't think we see a trilogy right away. That's not something they like to do. I get it's happened in the past, but if they're playing the long game with this, you let Poirier hopefully go win the lightweight title. You give Conor McGregor one or two guys the rest of 2021 that will be challenges for him, but will give him opportunities to build up wins and build up confidence. Conor McGregor is never lacking in confidence, but to build up his image even more and build up that redemption story that it seemed like we're sort of coming out of Connor in that post-fight interview. And then the biggest card of 2022 is Poirier McGregor three with Connor climbing back to the top to fight for his title again. That's really compelling, man. Uh, I can't, I can't disagree. You know, okay, McMaynard, you got to be the new matchmaker because I, I think you have a plan. <laughs> but I think in that, in that respect, I think, I think Connor Ferguson's the fight to make. I, yeah. I genuinely do. Give Tony Ferguson's on the down, but everybody loves Tony Ferguson, and everybody loves you have to love him or you hate him. Even if you hate him, you'll buy the pay per view for Connor McGregor. Yep. So that's I think that's obviously the fight to make in my opinion um and for for what's his face poire it's tough i don't it all depends on what happens in the next couple months with habib uh if we're going by what you said what do you think's next for uh poire regarding like matchups i think the most likely scenario is he fights for a vacant title against uh charles Oliveira. i think i like i said i would like to see a four-man tournament with him Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje, and um, Michael Chandler. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's just going to be those two uh, going at it with maybe a Gaethje-Chandler fight in the background. But uh, I think Poirier is, is I would say, dead set on a lightweight title uh, as long as it's vacant when he comes around. Uh, would you, do you think uh, that Poirier now could beat Habib now? Because I think he can. That's a heck of a question. And I don't like speculating about those things because <laughs> very many times I look like an idiot if it actually <laughs> happens. But, I mean, the Dustin Poirier that we saw on Saturday, I think could beat anybody in that division. And that includes and that includes Habib. And that's, that's a real challenge for me to say because I have said throughout the time that this podcast has, has been running – and it's not that long, but I've said it a lot of times. 
you don't bet against Habib. And I'm not sure I would bet against him in a Dustin Poirier fight, but I sure as hell wouldn't bet on him. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't place a bet on Habib if they had a matchup rematch. All right, to news. Quick transition. Uh, the pay-per-view wasn't working for a lot of people on Saturday. And I think a streamer said, you know what? Screw you, Dana White, and hack the system. I, I'm not a big conspiracy guy, but I think that's what had to happen. What do you think? I don't know, man. That was it, it was it, it seems too convenient. You know, things like this happen. It seems too convenient that on on the pay-per-view that Dana White was pushing so hard against the online illegal streams and stuff that the the ESPN plus pay-per-view would go down. I don't know if I buy it. It seems it seems there should be some kind of correlation there, but you never know. I, I think it's it's hilarious that Dana Dana uh, Dana White blew so much smoke about, you know, we're coming after the illegal streamers, you know, this is this is what's going to happen. We've got a guy. We're watching his house. We're listening to his <laughs> phones. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it just it's it's hilarious to me. If nothing, you have to sit back and laugh that it blew up in his face so badly. Yeah. Um, apparently it got over one and a half million buys. So a lot of people aren't exactly happy. And I, I loved how Dana White was. We got one of them. I'm like, one of them? I know like 50 of them. <laughs> but anyway, we're not going to expose any specific streaming websites because we all have our favorites. But anyway, it's like 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 uh like our buddy Dan Stuff tweeted, uh you know <laughs> if 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 there's a website with a head bobbing cat in the corner of the screen and it works, and ESPN Plus doesn't, what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, um, you know this. I think Dan Stuff has one of the best MMA accounts on Twitter. I'm not even gonna lie. He's he's a great he's a great follow for MMA Twitter. And that's not just that's not just me giving credit to a guy that's helped us along the way. He's a great follow. Yeah, he is a great follow. Uh, speaking of great follows, Darren Till got um, confronted by police uh, because I th- didn't he puncture a lung against uh, Robert Whitaker? I believe and, so. I yeah, believe he, so, so so he has an exemption, and the policeman who approached him didn't have his mask on correctly, and Darren Till went on a seven minute rant on Instagram uh, about. I mean, and his scouse accent about this policeman. And therefore he changed all of his names on his social media accounts to Karen too. And I got to give it to the guy. He's beautiful. I, I think he's the best t- MMA fighter on Twitter by far. Dude. I, every time, every time I see the words, John Anik and P3 come up in a Darren Till tweet, <laughs> I, I, I laugh out loud. I do. I'm sorry. It's, it's corny. It's stupid. And it's kind of annoying, but I laugh. It's I also true. laugh when he roasts Ariel Helwani, and then Helwani just tries to oh, yeah. slap back, and it just doesn't work. Uh, Darren Till Helwani, I love Ariel Helwani as, as a as a reporter, but quit trying to clap back at people. Like, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, not, especially not with Darren Till. No, there's, there are there's yeah, Darren Till is the funniest. Um, let's see what else there is. Uh, Pena said, uh, what, what's her face? Nunes is ducking. Uh, no absolutely not <laughs> i i would i would bet everything i own that nunez beats pena and it, I, I'm, I'd, I'd go to sleep and not even watch the fight because i don't really nope. care <laughs> nope um do you have any uh thoughts or opinions 
Uh, nothing, nothing huge to come up. Um, Nick Lentz announced he's retiring after uh, after losing on Saturday in the prelims. So, you know, solid career for Nick Lentz. Um, you know, never really got to the top, obviously, because his last fight in the UFC was on the prelims. But he's 36. Uh, he's he's been around for a little while. He's been in the UFC. Uh, let me look at his record. A whole long time. He's been fighting in the UFC since 2009. So. You know, he never he never reached the peak, but he was an entertaining guy to watch. He's fought professionally 44 times. He's got 29 or 19 uh, wins by finish, 30 overall. And, you know, he's he's retiring and it's just another one of those guys from the old guard uh, just kind of wrapping up things in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, he didn't really do too many great great things but a solid career overall oh matchmaking that's what i wanted to get to uh and ganu versus miocic is uh set for uh what what is it uh two 260 260 march 27 yes and i cannot wait <laughs> that's gonna be wonderful new look new look francis and ganu the greatest heavyweight of all time across the octagon john jones lurking in the wings well, what more can you ask for? And Stipe is still not favored. <laughs> the no, disrespect, man, I'm telling you. Um, yeah, that's really awesome. I just realized they're doing they're doing two pay-per-views three weeks apart in March. Oh yeah. And then the two fifty nines on the sixth, and that's Blahovitz Adasanya. And fifty-eight is the thirteenth, so that's two and a half weeks away. Yeah. Jeez. All right. They're, they're cranking these out. And, and these are uh, these are good fight night main events too. Yeah, uh, Overeem versus Volkov. I mean, that is, is Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Blades Lewis, Reyes Prochaska. Yes, dude. I can't. I can't wait for that. Spelling B. Spelling B. Boy, getting a main event. Yes, yes. Uh, the Chinese food killed him. Anyway, um, <laughs> okay. I uh, got anything if else? Get those. Re- if you don't get those references, you're uncultured. <laughs> All right. You got anything else? I'm done. All right. I'm I'm done. done. See you guys.